0: Oh morning. It is time to get up with the showdown that will decide it all. Dallas, Dolphins, we'll tell you why much more is at stake than just one game. Meanwhile, speaking of lots at stake, the MVP probably gets decided in this showdown. Wait till you hear why one side feels disrespected. And then, speaking of disrespect, where is the pride in Pittsburgh? We'll tell you the one and only way the Steelers can solve their issue and save their season. Let's do this, people. It is Thursday. welcome to the winter. (laughs) Today, gentlemen, is the shortest day of the year, December 21st, but we are long. About 24 hours? Football conversation. Well, it's not the sunlight of 24 (laughs) hours. Can we start over again? <laughs> Orlovsky, Tannenbaum, D. Wood is all dressed up. Let's do this. All the football is on the way. But, guys, we got to start with the performance of the night. Oh, did you see what Joe Embiid did last night? Sixers hosting the Timberwolves. Going to pick this up in the third. Embiid already on fire. Game tied at 87. Uh, Embiid's going to untie it with a pretty move in the lane. Ah! Uh, he had 39. at like three. Wood in high
1: school. He, man, you
0: got that right. Now, midway through the fourth. Right. Danny, I want you to watch. Watch the nice quarterback
2: ball handling move there. Ooh, a little ball fake. It looks like Tua down in Miami. A little ball fake, get the defense to go one way, a little pump fake, and a pull-up jumper. Tyrese Maxey, meanwhile, having a spectacular
0: season. He would score 35, but as the Sixers were pulling away, the question is, would Embiid get to 50? Knocks down this jumper here. He's at 48 and counting. Final two minutes. He's at the line with 49 points. That was her 50. He didn't get it, but here it comes. 51 points, 12 rebounds for Joel Embiid as the Sixers win by two touchdowns. And I'll tell you what, the James Harden trade has elevated the play of Tyrese Maxey. He's averaging over 26 a game. Yesterday, the Sixers two stars combined for 86 points. It was the second time this season that both of them recorded at least 35 in a single game. All right, so there's your basketball story. Now we get to the NFL. Week 16 kicks off. Tonight, we have a game with playoff implications, Rams and Saints. Dan, what are you watching? There are two
2: quarterbacks that the conferences do not want to get into the playoffs. One of them plays tonight, Matthew Stafford. No one in the NFL is throwing the football better than number nine out in L.A. I want to see tonight versus the Saints defense the connection that he has with both Puka Nakua, the rookie, and then Cooper Cup, who finally looks like himself, back and healthy again. Stafford
0: and the Rams may be headed back to the postseason. Saints fighting for the division. Meanwhile, let's skip to Monday night. Monster game. Niners, Ravens, Wood, what are you watching for? Yeah, I'm
1: watching how the Ravens going to deploy Kyle Hamilton. Mm. You're talking about two teams, the 49ers leading the league in yak yardage. The Ravens. Leading the league and giving up the least amount of yardage, how are he going? To, how are they going to deploy him? Which matchup? Which player are they going to try to eye?
0: That's going to be a very interesting matchup, right? And there. then finally, Mike T, Dak, and the Cowboys looking to rebound on the road against Tua and the Dolphins. What's the key to this game? Dallas's
3: rush defense, greedy in their four losses, Dallas has allowed an average of 192 yards rushing, 266 last week to Buffalo. Of all the weapons that Miami has. If they don't stop Raheem Mostert and the run game, nothing else
0: will matter in that game. I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. This game will almost certainly be decided up front and on the ground. The Dolphins have the fourth best rushing attack in the NFL, averaging 140 yards per game. While the Cowboys, in their four losses this season, have allowed 192 rushing yards per game, including 266 last week on the road against Buffalo. And so, Dan, I know you've put together a couple of tapes for us on this game. Let's start with that look at it, what we expect from Mike McDaniel and that Miami offense against Dallas's D.
2: Advantage Miami. Mike McDaniel coached against this defense in 2021 when he was with San Francisco. and If you watch at least the, the mindset of how he wanted to attack, it was I respect the aggressive aspect of Dallas' defense. We are going to use it against them toss counter so they're gonna use motion at the snap and they're trying to toss the ball one way and get everybody on the defense to flow that way and then bring that fullback back across essentially where he came from So to get to defense, the sideline to sideline flow and then hurt them because of that over-aggressive and speed-based flow. Mm. And then a little bit of the bootleg play action. Now maybe in Miami it would be pistol or gun because that's more of their nature, but you fake the run one way and you're trying to get a man-beating route Going opposite, which is a deep cross. No one plays more coverage than Dallas. No one shreds man coverage more than Miami. And you get that defense again to overflow and overcommit. I think the second thing is this. Perimeter screens will be a huge part of this game. Dallas' pass rush, Mike McDaniel will minimize it. No one throws more perimeter screens than Miami Dolphins. He'll get this defense stretched out sideline to sideline. He'll get them to pressure one side or the other. I promise you this. If that's Tyreek Hill this weekend, that's a touchdown. Mm. So Mike McDaniel had a very clear plan two years ago. Respect the aggressive aspect of Dallas' defense, but hurt it. I think two things stand out in this game. One, Dallas's defense is bottom five when it comes to defending motion. No one uses motion more than the Miami Dolphins. Dallas's defense plays man coverage more than anybody. No one shreds man coverage more than Tua Tonga Valoa. So this is advantage, at least scheme, tape, paper, Dolphins. And, and, and so that feels a lot to me, mm. and that's such a good tape.
0: And again, a reminder for those of you who who didn't pick up on it when he said it, those offenses you were watching were Mike McDaniel offenses in San Francisco before he came to uh, Miami. So that's literally him designing it here. The the, the the Cowboys have to do something that we really haven't seen them do, right? They have to rise up defensively yep. against a team they probably won't jump way out in front of early, and they have to stand up physically at the point of attack and all that stuff. Can they do it? Oh,
1: uh, That's a big question right now, Grady. I mean, because, you look, you know, you look at last week, last week against Buffalo. Buffalo completely dominated the line of scrimmage. No doubt. Okay, and we know in this league, this is a repeater league. Like, once you show on take that you're vulnerable, guess what's going to happen the next week? Other The opponent's going to come right back to see if you solve those problems. And until Dallas shows that they've solved that problem, expect Miami to bring a heavy dose of their run game. Mm-hmm. As much as we talk about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and, and rightfully so, Miami is a run team. Miami wants to run the football because a lot of things are predicated off their run, off their run
0: action. Yeah. So if Dallas can't stop it early... They're going to be in for a long day. So it's Mostert, and it's HN, and it's those screens that Dan is talking about and the possibility for big plays. Mike T., what do you think?
3: I think it's going to go to the other side of the ball. Dallas is going to have to function on an offense early, Greeny, because if not, it's going to be Buffalo 2.0. Dallas is second in the league in first-half point differentiation at 115, and what that means is that allows their defense to do what Dan said earlier, rush the passer. But when Buffalo was able to control the line of scrimmage, and I give them a ton of credit – They just stayed with it, and Josh Allen had seven completions, and they just wore down a very light Dallas Mm. defense. So if Dallas can move the ball, which they couldn't against Buffalo Greeny, that will make Miami to play
0: both run and pass, and will make them a lot easier for Dallas to defend. So so the, the way that game started last week in Buffalo, it was a strange beginning to the game because the game got away from the Cowboys more than they were being outplayed. Sure. By that, I mean, they had the, the, the rough flow the of passer, the game. You know, the roughing the passer penalty gave Buffalo a touchdown. I didn't think that was a good call. Then the, the, the Cowboys have an opportunity to throw a touchdown. You Brandon Cooks, they don't hit it. Then they block the punt. You know, they run into the punter and all that. Sure. And before you know it, they're way behind no, in the penalt-
2: game. The penalty certainly dictated the flow of the game or That's helped I mean. the flow of yeah. the game for Buffalo. Yeah. No so, doubt. So, so how do the Cowboys, to Mike T's point, well, how do they play this game from in front? Well, I think to Mike T's point in offense so here's why there's in many ways such a disparity home and road for Dallas's offense at home Dak can cheat and not in a literal way but in a because he's so smart way when he gets um, at home at the line of scrimmage he's able to use his cadence and he uses his voice inflection at the line of scrimmage what you know this when quarterbacks do that they try to control everything on the road they can't and so defense can do things late that you don't get attention to. They're gonna pressure off the slot here and drop the safety down. This is second down, leads to a two yard loss. Well, that leads to third down and they get off the field. That never happens at home for Dallas. This is second down in the red zone. Dak at home would go, hot, 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 hot. He would see the safety, go to line of scrimmage, check out of a play and we're okay. Second down in the red zone. He doesn't have the time or the voice inflection to see it. It leads to third down in the red zone. You get off the field and those are three points instead of seven, so at home, Dak does a great job of using his cadence, using the voice inflection. Because for people at home to understand, we control the defense when we're at home by our voice. You have to, at some point, tell us what you're doing. Hot, 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 you know, or or code words. He does that here we go thing. Yeah, and so Dak knows, okay, you guys are doing this. We're in the right play. Great. On the road, the defense gets to decide when and how. I don't because I don't use voice inflection on the road anymore. Because you guys can't hear you. Correct. It's because the simple. crowd noise, and yeah. so often there's a silent cadence. We're not even speaking. So that th- that's why the offense is so much more in control at home because in many ways Dak is so smart, they're always in a good play. So then how do the Cowboys approach this game offensively, D-Wood? I, I think a lot of it has to do with
1: what Mike T was talking about. Dallas is at there, but I always say Dallas is a front-running team, and what I mean by that is when when they're able to get out get out of the blocks early, score early, that dictates how they're going to, ultimately how they're going to play play the game, rest of the game. I think it's going to be imperative on Dallas. They got to get out of the blocks early. They got to score early because I think it, it, it breeds confidence in both sides of the ball. Now the, you know when the Dallas they got offense, to take the crowd out. Of they it. got to take the crowd yeah. out of the game, and when when Dak and that offense they score early. The the defense, they start to feast. Guys, if Josh Allen was
3: sitting right here, he gave us the answers to the test. Remember what he said after the game? Yeah, I got an A. I didn't do any of the work in the class project. Something I could relate to going back to high school. Understood. Right. But the point is, seven completions, 31 points. If they don't fix their run defense, nothing else matters. They will get bludgeoned. They want to rush the passer, as D would just said. They can't rush the passer if all they're doing is defending the run.
2: Let me give you one more nugget on that when it comes in, and you'll appreciate this one. So I told you, motion at the snap, advantage Miami. Man coverage, advantage Miami. One more thing for everyone to pay attention to at home. If you go back and really pay attention to that Buffalo game, so much of their run success was going left towards Deion Dawkins, who's Mm -hmm. playing tackle is about as good as anybody in football. It's actually the number one ranked run offense in football going left. Guess who's number two? Miami Dolphins, Mm -hmm. Teron Armstead. So another next level thing to pay attention to in this game, not only running the football, how well and often Miami runs left towards their all pro left tackle. So there's one other
0: thing uh, quickly here. Um, as we consider. Okay, well, I'll leave it at that then for the moment. All right, so we we, we have that game. We have much more on that game coming up as we continue, but there are multiple monster games on the schedule this weekend. Is Lamar Jackson the most valuable and most underappreciated player in football? Our crew will tell you why the answer is yes to both of those. Plus, it keeps getting messier in Pittsburgh. How much blame should Tomlin take? We're fired up about this one. We'll go live to Pittsburgh as we roll on. You're watching Get Up on
4: ESPN.
0: eligible items only exclusions apply delicious meat nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there each one ounce serving has six grams of protein giving you over 10 percent of your daily value wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go and you're on the go a lot Back on Get Up, our game is called Would You Rather <laughs> okay, with uh, you Here we go. Look at that picture. Uh, D. Wood, would you rather have Justin Fields as your quarterback or draft one this year? Uh, yeah, Mike T and I, we're probably going to fight right here. I, I,
1: listen, I, I would rather have Justin Fields. Oh, I would. would. I know, oh, listen, I know oh, we're talking about the contract, but oh. listen, just the way Justin Fields has been playing, if you just look over the last, you know, year, just 17 games, this game is, man, just really going, eleva- he's really elevated game. You put some draft picks, Justin Fields
0: can ball. We'll come talk, back okay. and talk about that one a little later. Meanwhile, would you rather have Bill Belichick or someone else develop the next quarterback in New England?
1: I'm not going to disrespect the goat up in here. I'm going Bill Belichick. Everyone talks about, you know, we always had a discussion between Bill and Brady. Well, guess what? Bill developed Brady. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I trust trust his football acumen over anyone out there. Mike T,
0: you'll have that conversation with Bill in the sauna sometime soon.
1: (laughs) Uh,
3: Next,
0: (laughs) would you rather vote for Lamar Jackson or Brock Purdy for MVP? Yeah, I'm going to go Brock Purdy,
1: man. And, you know, I'm getting so tired of this whole game manager discussion and stuff like that. If you look at Brock Purdy's numbers across the board, he's doing much better than some game manager. The numbers he's putting up. I mean, you can compare it to all-time greats that played for the San Francisco 49ers organization. Yep. Okay, so we're talking about Hall of Famers. So I'm right for me,
0: I'm going Brock Purdy. Of that there is no doubt. However, Marcus Spears on this program yesterday made a very interesting point about one big difference between Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy. Listen. If you do a game plan for the
1: San Francisco 49ers, it does not start with Brock Purdy. I'm sorry. That is the truth it won't start his name won't be first when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens it starts with number eight
0: well, that isn't the only way you determine an MVP vote, but I think it's an interesting one. And we, of course, shortened that in the interest of time. But he said, when you're playing against San Francisco, you begin by saying, what are we going to do with McCaffrey? Yeah. And when you're playing against Baltimore, you begin by saying, what are we going to do about Lamar Jackson? That is, I think, a very legitimate point. It doesn't necessarily mean it decides the MVP debate, but I think it's true.
2: He's 100% right. And this is a little bit of a debate between, like, creator versus operator. Brock right now is is at the highest level of operating his offense, and we shouldn't diminish the success that he's doing it because it's almost robotic. Him and Dak Prescott are probably the two guys that have done that consistently. Well, Lamar is this all-world creator where so often things come out of nothing. But McCaffrey, in, in his point of how important Christian is and the impact is valued... I don't know if there's a back that does it like this. This is called ace formation. There's symmetry, guard, tackle, tight end, okay? Now, McCaffrey's going to do what we call a B-gap insert between the guard and the tackle. Now, oftentimes when they do that, they're just checking down five yards over the ball, but they switch Juszczyk and McCaffrey. This is not a broken play. This is not Christian creating something on his own. This is a design by Kyle Shanahan. That's what makes McCaffrey different is he says, well, I could clear out coverage with a player like Brandon Ayuk, and I can design Christian McCaffrey from the tailback spot to be a part of the actual pass progression in early aspects. Again, this is not a number three or number four in the progression when it comes to a checkdown. He's designing him on a wheel route. There's no player in the NFL, certainly a tailback, that gets used in that aspect. So to Marcus's point, he's accurate. It starts with McCaffrey in San Francisco. And look, why, here's what I will say.
0: Well, I don't want to pre—I don't want to predetermine what you were going to say. I was going to fight with you before you even spoke. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Oh, let's let's rumble then. No, yeah. I'm just—I
1: just—it I, seems like we're holding roster construction against Brock Purdy. Totally. And it's just, and it's not fair. Like, can Brock Purdy help that? Hey, the San Francisco 49ers organization built a really good roster Right? Look at the way the man, look at the efficiency in the way he's performing the quarterback position. Right. He's performing it at an all-time high level. Yep. Like, we, we got to give him props on that. Yes, I, I agree with Marcus to an extent of, the, like, the way Lamar Jackson does it looks totally different from Brock Purdy. But that doesn't mean that one is more effective. Like, they just have different styles in which they, are op- they um
3: operating their offense. Correct. I-, I see it different, guys. If you take Lamar Jackson out of the Ravens, season is over. Ronnie Stanley's been in and out of the lineup. No Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, Keaton Mitchell's out. And they're probably going to be the one seed in the AFC. You take Brock Purdy out, you still, to Swagoo's point, Debo, CMC, IU, Now, look, Sam
2: Darrell, there's some questions about it, but they're going to still be a really good team. Well, my pushback to that, Mike T., is this. Well, I get your point. One, MVP versus best player, I guess that's, like, subjective. Um, This offense in San Francisco, right now, you can make the case is the best offense we've seen in the NFL over the last 20 to 25 years. We're talking, like, the 18 Chiefs. You know, maybe the Patriots that they went and that the undefeated regular season, the greatest show on turf with the Rams. Rams. So while you could say like season over, maybe not for San Francisco, they're also not achieving the highs that they're achieving.
0: Fair enough. But let's not go so quickly past that team that New England had that went 16 or no, because that's where I'm going to go to make my point. Tom Brady was an elite level quarterback. He was already on his way to being one of the great quarterbacks of all time. He got Randy Moss that year, yes, and he became, he had the best season any quarterback had ever had in NFL history. Mm. Moss caught 22 touchdowns that year. And if you were listening to a show called Mike and Mike in the Morning then, you would have heard me screaming and yelling, Moss should be the MVP. He is the reason Brady is playing at this level. It's not diminishing Brady. Now, of course, they gave the award to Brady because they just give it to the quarterback blindly. I think what Purdy is doing is extraordinary. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Right. But the reason that he's able to play at that level is because of McCaffrey. And thus, I think McCaffrey, right this minute, is the MVP. So I don't like the term game manager because we've turned that into something I don't think it should mean. Right. Brock Purdy is... Playing the quarterback position outstandingly well. Can't play it better. But I think that the most valuable piece of that team is actually McCaffrey. I
2: don't disagree with that. I don't, I don't know if we've seen a player change how defenses play and change how a coach attacks more than Christian McCaffrey, maybe since maybe Randy Moss. You, you know, he's that. Moss he is the talent. example. He I was think, that good. Green, but, I think that the cool thing about the, the MVP this year is. There are so many guys worthy of that conversation. It's almost like the Heisman Trophy. We are going to get Heisman moments from these guys. Like this, this weekend, so we have Lamar and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Tua and Tyreek versus the Dallas Cowboys. They have their moment. Tua and Tyreek, Week 18 potentially versus Josh Allen, who might have his moment. All these guys are going to have opportunities to have like a Heisman or an MVP moment to kind of separate themselves because it's a, it's a, it's a jumbled-up group right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: it's, it's less obvious than it has been in years past. Totally agree. I go back to what Swagusa, which to me, it's the depth of
3: the skill players because to me, you go back to that Philly game, it was Debo Samuel that was the difference maker and the tempo center. So as much as I like McCaffrey, Debo Samuel to me is right there because he's the mismatch as well. Sure. Put him in the backfield, line him up. You know, He, to me, makes that offense go almost as much as McCaffrey. It's also that,
2: important this. We cannot constantly gloss over and take for granted how special Lamar is. Right. I think that's part of this as well. Numbers wise, Brock is having a better year. But that doesn't mean watch the game from Sunday Night Football. There's eight plays that Lamar literally makes something out of absolutely nothing.
0: You will show us uh, with a touchscreen a little later in this show. So many things still to be decided. But coming up next, where is the pride in Pittsburgh? We'll tell you the one and only way the Steelers can solve their issue and save their season. We're taking you live there next. Don't miss this conversation. Get up on ESPN.
2: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
0: All right, our next stop is Pittsburgh here on Get Up, and this has been a very interesting little moment in time for the Steelers wide receiver George Pickens his effort has come under scrutiny after that play among others where he stopped engaging near the goal line on a first quarter Jalen Warren run on Saturday there's been so much debate and discussion about that moment here was Pickens explaining it
2: if you stay on the block too low you can get ran up on very easily. so so some people questioning your effort. All the people that's questioning my effort down down, down, down play football. They do what y'all
0: do. All right, I, I wish you could see and hear the reactions of the guys at my desk as he's talking. We're gonna play hold on one second, Cindy, come out. Just 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 let you would very quickly cause he I, he almost jumped out of his chair. I still have Mike Tomlin to get to and I'm gonna to get to Brooke Pryor in a second. But just when you heard that, you reacted so viscerally. Why?
1: Oh uh, hey Bub, I play football. And that was, that was BS what you just said. Like this, the, the, the simple fact that you said, well, guys get run up on and, you know, a possibility get hurt. Hell, you're playing a violent sport. Your, the chance for you to get injured is almost 100%. The, the one thing that we're taught as players It's when you don't play at 100% that you're more than likely to get hurt. So for him to come out and say that and then antagonize the media like, you guys have never played. You guys don't know know what you're talking about. Well, guess what? I played 12 years in the National Football League. I can speak to this um, firsthand that that effort you put out there is bull. And the players in the locker room, should be calling you out for putting that type of effort out there because guess what? Every, not only your teammates, but every team in the National Football League is seeing that. Now they know what type of guy you are.
0: Okay, so so I, I, I felt you needed to hear the way a former player would react to something like that. Now, now, as I mentioned, let's hear from Tomlin because Mike Tomlin was called out to react. Not called out. He was requested by the media to react to all of this yesterday, and this is what he said.
1: I would like him to be more professional in terms of addressing some of his shortcomings with you guys, but the manner in which he deals with you guys is not necessarily the manner in which he deals with us or himself regarding acknowledging where he is and where he needs to go. When you're winning and doing your job, a lot of the attention and so forth is on things such as that. When you're not doing your job and losing, you better keep your damn mouth shut and understand that that tracks a certain type of attention as well. And usually that's vulture-like attention.
0: So that was Mike Tomlin yesterday. Here's our our old friend, Brooke Pryor, who's been much too long since we've heard from you, Brooke. Of course, covers the Steelers on a day-in, day-out basis. And you were telling us in our meeting this morning that it is unusual for Mike Tomlin to come out and address the media on a Wednesday. But that, that all of you in the Pittsburgh media felt it was vital to hear from him. Take us through it. You're living this every single day. Take us behind the scenes of how this whole situation is unfolding.
5: Well, Greeney, this is nothing new for George Pickens, and I think that that's why we requested Mike Tomlin, because it had come to such a head that after George Pickens' comments in the the locker room yesterday, we really needed to hear the head coach's reaction. And when I say this is nothing new, there were character concerns about George Pickens coming out in the draft. There were these vague red flags that talked about a lack of maturity and him getting in his own way, and we're seeing that come to fruition here. You know, I remember him coming off the field in Atlanta last year screaming expletives about getting him the ball. I remember in training camp right in front of me, he caught a pass in a one-on-one drill, and he spun the ball down and ran away from it, and Najee Harris had to go grab him and tell him to pick up the football. That's not how they do things. Another time, he ran in front of me, and he kicked a pylon over at the end of the play for no reason, and these are just kind of little breadcrumbs that lead us to where we are now with Pickens, someone who has been visibly frustrated throughout the season, pouting when teammates get touchdowns, slumping when he doesn't get the ball, and then also what you saw against the Colts where he just didn't give any effort on that block. And so this is why Mike Tomlin came out after we requested him. And the thing is, this is a Mike Tomlin situation where the Steelers have drafted for talent over character in this situation. Mike Tomlin has a high-risk, high-reward draft strategy, especially with wide receivers. It's like a woman going on Tinder. You're looking through the, the the bio, and it says six feet tall. There's a million red flags, but, hey, you're six feet tall, so we're going to take you. And that's what it feels like the Steelers did with George Pickens, and now all of these red flags are coming back, and it's created a really big, bad situation in Pittsburgh that Mike Tomlin has to deal with. So stay
0: close, Brooke. I want to be able to come back to you. But, Danny, another thing that was brought up here yesterday uh, it was Jeff Saturday who was sitting right here because I was speculating. Obviously, I never played, and I, I never—I don't have anywhere near the perspective that any of the three of you do from your um, inside time. My perspective was, well, why is Mike Tomlin allowing this to happen? And Jeff looked me right in the face and he said, "If you think that it is the coach." who's responsible for that sort of thing. That, that demonstrates what you don't know.
2: Coach sets the standard. Players apply it on a daily basis. Every great coach will tell you one of the reasons why the team became great was player ownership. The, the Steelers have the second youngest offense in all of football, I think behind the Green Bay Packers. So who's the pro? Who, who's the adult in that offensive room? I know defensively they got Cam and they've got TJ and, and Minka, but on offense it feels like they don't have one. This, this is honestly the – shocking to me that this is happening. Number one, they should bench them, but they can't because they're not good enough. When did this become okay in Pittsburgh? I played for organizations that weren't good. This is the kind of stupid stuff that we did. We weren't the Steelers. Like, when did this become okay in Pittsburgh? Heinz Ward and, and Keith Miller and, and Ben Roethlisberger have to be rolling over go what is going on Mm -hmm. because this was the type of stuff that for Pittsburgh for a person who grew up watching some of the elite Pittsburgh Steeler teams to watch this unfold it always felt like everybody in the Steelers organization the name on the front meant way more than the name on the back it doesn't feel that way right now well I
0: guess what I'm trying to ask yes I hear all of that and I agree completely I guess what I'm asking you is how much of this is on the
2: coach I mean, part of it is on the coach. There's no question about it. They, 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 at some point, the coach and the leadership and the, and the words matter. But there's also another aspect that there's not enough veteran leadership and clout on that offense to make sure that this doesn't – to Brooks' report, she said it was Najee Harris.
0: Yeah. He's in his third year in the you, NFL. Yeah, he's very still a young player, uh, but a leader in, in, in that regard. But, yes, yeah, still a very young player. Do you want – Explain to us, what does that look like? So, so now you're a team leader, which you definitively were, and you were on, in particular, I am aware of, the, those Jets teams where Rex was a player's guy and, and you guys would police that. Like, what does that look like? If you've got a guy doing stuff that you are uncomfortable with, that you know doesn't represent what the standard should be, what do you do? You know, green, those things, are,
1: you know, player-led and, and behind the scenes, we're it's like it's like a group of us just putting our arms around a guy like, look, and we, Mike, you was there and, and with, with the Jets where we brought in a couple quote-unquote guys that, that kind of ruffled some feathers from other organizations, but it was the guys in the locker room, the veteran guys in the locker room, we put, the, put our arms around these guys and we said, listen, there's a certain way that we go about our business here. Okay, you can't have 53, you know, 53 angels in the locker room. You're gonna have some rough riders in the locker room, but it's the guys in the locker room, your leaders in the locker room, that really make sure that the the standard is the standard. We don't, we don't allow anyone to deviate from the standard, okay? Because once you, do, once you let that happen, then anarchy takes
0: over. You can't let that type of stuff happen. So, so now a guy does that. Now, now someone like George Pickens does, you know, I, 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 the guys I'm thinking of that you brought in, like a guy like Santonio Holmes who had had his issues, played great yes. for the Jets. Yep. If you had, and so I'm not suggesting you had a moment like that with him. Yep. But that would have been an example. If you had had that, what would you have done? Well, I mean, listen, man, it's one of
1: those things. First of all, the big guy in the sky doesn't lie, so we always, you know, as players, you look at those type of things, and you just – the one thing you want to – you're not going to scream at it, but you're going to talk to these guys. He's a young guy. You're going to talk to this guy behind the scenes like, listen, man, like your, your stats and all that type of stuff, it's going to come. And when we win, we all win together. But it takes everybody pulling their own weight for us to get to where we want to go. Remember, this is a Steelers team that's still in the playoff race right now. Yep. Okay, so my, my whole message to him is we got to get past you. It's not about you. It's about us because when we win individually, you will win as well. So how
3: does the organization handle something like this, Mike? Yep, bring him in and say, George, let me give you the answers to the test. You're a second-round pick. You're extension eligible next year. We are going to pay people, as D. Wood said, who are selfless, competitive, and putting the team first. And by the way, if it doesn't work out here, George, 31 other teams, you are putting your resume on tape. Every game is a job interview. And what GM and head coach are going to pay a player that is not selfless, that doesn't play hard? So if you want to get paid, the answers to the test is, this is unacceptable. Don't believe me. Look around the league. Look at the people we've paid. To D. Wood's point, we actually felt like Raylan Edwards, Santonio Holmes, Antonio Kamari, they were great opportunities because we had high-character guys that when they came in, we had a way of doing things, and it worked well with Rex. And for a long time, it's worked well with Mike Tomlin.
2: For whatever reason right now, that nucleus isn't policing. But but you don't think he knows that? Who is he? I'm sorry. George Pickens. We don't think that George Pickens knows the the reality business-wise of the NFL. He, He might not. Someone has to tell him that. I don't. But it's not just George Pickens. It happened with Deontay Johnson three weeks ago. This isn't a one-off thing. Right. There's multiple examples of this happening. That's why I'm trying to say, like, when did this become okay in Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh was the standard setter. It was Pittsburgh. It was Baltimore. It was the New England Patriots. That, like, they, they always did on a, this is, what, three weeks ago, a month ago, when another wide receiver just did this? The reality is this. Organizationally, these teams would have never dealt with this stuff in the past. They would have cut them. They would have benched them. But they can't because they're not good enough. They're, they, those are their two most explosive or talented players on offense. There's no way. That a good Jets team that was going to the AFC Championship game with Rex Ryan, who I sit with here every Monday morning, would have allowed that kind of effort. There's no. I will. What would, would have gotten to Rex though? That's why. That's was, my point, Mike yeah, T. Yeah. That's my point. It would have never yeah. gotten there, but somehow it's gotten to that place in Pittsburgh. The, does the message get stale?
1: Does the message get stale? But that's what if. Does the get, message get stale? That's. I mean, important. like, 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 like we talk about, you know, we talk about, and you know, Jeff talked about as well. Players in the locker room, okay, but also. Mike T, is, is the message getting stale? Right. Where these guys, where you're talking about multiple players, not just George Pickens, but multiple players where it is showing the evidence of those guys not doing the, what, the Steelers way, the way the Steelers go, have always what, went about and conducted their business.
2: Watch the game tonight. Watch the two receivers who played for the Rams tonight, both Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, who was a freaking triple crown winner two years ago. Watch how they block. Yeah. And you don't think that it – you think it's okay – to do what you do? And, and by the way, say, I didn't want to get hurt? What happens if they call a reverse for George Pickens and Jalen Warren is the lead blocker and goes, eh, ah, I don't want to block for him? Yeah. That came
0: up yesterday is that Warren could have gotten hurt on that play because he's expecting a block on his right. left side. You, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as well. let, let me give Brooke a final word here. Brooke, fill in any uh, blanks here that, that you think we haven't covered.
5: Well, I've got three blanks to fill in. One is the Deontay Johnson play where he didn't go for the fumble. To that, I think of what Mike Tomlin said yesterday when he was asked, can one player's actions like this bleed over to the rest of the locker room? And he said, it certainly can. A follow-up was, Is that happening now? And he said, depends on when you ask me. I hear that, and I say, yes, one player's actions like this, a George Pickens-type action of lack of effort, can bleed into every facet of the team because the Deontay Johnson I've seen does show effort, and that play was more uncharacteristic of him than the George Pickens' lack of efforts. The other thing is, Dan, you say you can't bench him because you don't have enough talent and you're still trying to win games. To that I say, you can, and Mike Tomlin has, In the past, he benched Martavis Bryant in 2017 when Bryant went on social media and criticized his teammates. That was part of how Mike T sent that message to the team and to me it is concerning that when you ask Mike Tomlin why aren't you why aren't you playing or why aren't you benching George Pickens he says because he's so talented that's why George Pickens keeps getting away with it and to the point dewood of you have players that you bring in to wrap your arms around these guys the steelers did that they brought in Allen Robinson no he hasn't been brought up in the steelers standard but he's been in the league for 9 years they paired him to be sweet mates with George Pickens during training camp to kind of shepherd him and help him mature. And what has that done? You know, it's not for lack of effort. The message isn't getting through no matter who is delivering it. So there needs to be a different way to impart that and to make it sink in.
0: It's really well done, Brooke. Thank you so much. Pleasure to see you again and stay close uh, on all of this stuff here. We'll check in with you as this Continues. I'll remind everyone, the Steelers are 7-7. They could still make the playoffs. All right, coming up next, much more on the showdown that will decide everything. It's Dallas. It's the Dolphins. We'll show you exactly what is at stake right after this. Get up on ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any All right, we're back on Get Up. Hey, Danny, time for some QB Quick Reads. What have been the biggest factors in Josh Allen and the Bills' resurgence? Well, there
2: wasn't a resurgence needed, Green. Let's make that clear. There was just people who were incorrectly stating things. But, number one, <laughs> personnel variation. They've gotten a little bit bigger with tight ends and two backs. Number two, formation variation. They've become way more creative, which has led them to be way less predictable. And then the addition of James Cook is a focal point for their offense, both in the Ooh. run and the pass game. And this offensive line went from a weakness of last year to a strength in this year.
0: Also, just keeping 11 men on the field instead of 12 on special teams has helped.
2: Yes,
0: (laughs) Uh, how about the defending champs?
2: Can can Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense be fixed? I I don't think so right now. Can it win? Yes. Rasheed Rice has to be a focal point. Greeny, simply put, when I watch these two offensive tackles play, they don't look like Super Bowl winning offensive tackles. There's wide receiver issues. I've been clear I wouldn't play Kadarius Tony for the rest of the season. I would go tight end heavy, running back heavy. Trust on those three receivers that are a little bit more reliable, and see if that's good enough.
0: And then finally, the team they played in the Super Bowl last year.
2: How about Hurts and the Eagles? I got, I got a lot of questions about this offense. Number one, they hold the ball way too long. Jalen Hurts holds the ball for like three seconds a throw, which is an eternity in the NFL. Number two, there's no yards after the catch. There's very little easy to big plays for this offense. And then number three, no team. In the NFL, takes less snaps from under center than the Eagles. You wonder why you're not as explosive this year as you were last year? Point A. It's fascinating
0: to me. We're going to dive into that a little bit more as we go. And then we will work our way to Miami. Again, Dolphins and Cowboys, one of the really huge games on this weekend's schedule. And the Dolphins are looking to win their first game this season against a team that has a winning record. Their coach, Mike McDaniel, however, has a very clear message. He does not want his players worried about that narrative.
2: I instructed the players to um, anything other than concern yourself with the next opponent, which for us is the Dallas Cowboys, and any other narrative that has to do with good teams. I gave them the clearance to tell all members of the media to, with all due respect, (laughs) F off. With all due respect.
0: (laughs) I love that guy. Oh, my God. I love that guy. And it is a great message. But the reality is the questions are legitimate. The Dolphins have not beaten when they've had opportunities against the teams we consider to be the better teams in the league this year. They haven't
2: won. It doesn't mean they aren't good. But the fact is the fact. How significant is it? It matters. We can't say it matters for the Dallas Cowboys and not say it matters for the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are a good football team. I don't know if they've proven to be a great football team yet this year. Now, they've had stretches where they play great, and they've got two guys that are in the MVP conversation, both in Tyreek Hill and Tua tonga Tyreek's still searching for 2,000 yards this season. This offense... When it is on schedule, as explosive, dynamic, and difficult to stop as anybody in the NFL. When it's off schedule, it's a complete 180. This defense, when they get into those past situations and they can suffocate, they're suffocating. When you can control the tempo, they're a little bit more vulnerable. That's the mark of a good football team, not great.
0: I can't imagine any team has a tougher stretch to finish their season than they do. They've got Dallas this week, then they've got Baltimore, then they've got Buffalo, and there is a... A fairly likely scenario, I think, in which that last game of the season yeah. in Miami <laughs> will be for the division between the Bills and the Dolphins. What are you seeing in Miami? Uh, that, that, that will be Miami's worst nightmare. Mm. That will be Miami's worst nightmare,
1: and I think it's going to come to fruition. I think that last week against the Buffalo Bills is going to come down to the division title. And we always we, we see these things happen every year where a team, late latter part of the season, all of a sudden you see that momentum really going. Buffalo's that team. Mm. Buffalo is literally that team that's like almost like a runaway locomotive right now. No one wants to play them. Miami is, a, Miami is what I call a fun team. They're fun. Like, <laughs> I'm eating candy. I'm watching. They're fun to watch and everything. But Buffalo is a team that's like they're scary because they, they, it seems like they've stabilized the defense. Joe Brady, an offensive coordinator, has really done a great job implementing James Cook. Who's been a focal point in the offense? And then you've got, you know, then you've got the man, Josh Josh Allen, who can literally take over a game at any
0: point. Who wants to face that? No, that's the point. And they have two very winnable games before that final showdown. They have the Chargers and the Patriots. They got through the tough part of their schedule. All the Dolphins, they do have something to prove. You live down there in Boca Raton. Tell me what you're seeing in these <laughs> Dolphins. <laughs> they could run the ball a lot. People. Give them credit for. And, you know, we talk a lot about Tua, Tyreek Hill,
3: and that's all great. But when they can run the ball the way they have that perimeter run game, the outside zone with Raheem Morris, uh, Mostert, that makes them almost unstoppable. And Dan did a great job of ranking th- that down earlier. And that's why it's so important this game, Greeny. If Dallas doesn't stop the run and score early on offense, this really plays well uh, in Miami's favor.
2: These games are huge. These next three games are huge for Miami. You can make the case that reasonably, they can lose all three. Yeah, sure. Which would be a shocking fall. If they somehow can beat the the Dallas Cowboys this weekend, then in many ways it sets up what potentially would be for the one seed Mm. against Baltimore on the road next week, I think, on New Year's Eve night, which would be spectacular for the Dolphins because then week 18 is a little bit of a moot point because if they somehow can win these next two games, then Buffalo's on the outside looking in, and Miami's sitting there saying we could control the one seed and we could control, obviously, winning the AFC East. Yeah, Greedy, here's where they deserve credit. They
3: played the Jets last week, and what the Jets do still have is a great front seven. Without Tyreek. Yeah, and... Miami had not their starting center, their right guard, their backup center. They signed on Wednesday, and they only won 30 to nothing. That was a game that the Jets, their front seven, should have controlled the game. And with Miami, with two offense linemen out, still scored 30.
2: Miami should win the game this weekend. It is advantage Miami. They're at home. They do things on offense that Dallas significantly struggles with on defense.
0: The one thing I will say about that game, yes, the score was 30 to nothing, but that should not fool you. It was not nearly that close. The game was not nearly as competitive as that final score would make it sound. Uh, tomorrow night on ESPN, a primetime matchup. Steph Curry and the Warriors hosting the Wizards, and you'll see all the action right here on ESPN at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Coming up, we'll talk more about the Dak and Dallas side of this Dolphins matchup. Are the boys destined for another disaster on the road? Huge hour of football conversation is out of the way as we get up with you on ESPN. ESPN.